Welcome back to the Behind the Curtain series on the Web.com podcast. This week, Josh of Reen's Rebel Alliance joins us. Two years removed from winning the Web Championship, Josh went into 2020 with expectations to compete for another belt. But following an 0-3 start, Josh adapted and made the biggest trade in franchise history and thus threw in the towel for the year. Now we get a candid look inside of Josh's 2020 strategy, as well as answers to burning questions like what Excel formula does he use to pick tight ends every week? This is Josh behind the curtain. Of the Behind the Curtain series on the web.com podcast. This is our fourth Behind the Curtain episode. We are moving up the web ladder. And with us today is a former web.com champion. Josh of Reen's Rebel Alliance is in the building. What is up, Josh? going on i'm ex- excited to be on and talk about the rebels with you like the the thing that i put all my free time into and yeah it's excited to be on you know what i just thought of uh last five web champions on the call right now not a big deal <laughs> no big deal <laughs> a lot of hardware just, in this room right now a lot of yeah, hardware just hearing you say that former web champion that's got it's nice to Nice to be reminded of. Immortality. Mm-hmm. Immortality is <laughs> what it's all about. But, um, yeah, no, we, it, you, you mentioned, like, the, you put all of your time into this, and it's funny. I dropped the Riley one tonight, a little late on that, but check that one out. Uh, Riley mentioned how every person in this league matched the same intensity that he used to win Keel. And it's like we we see here now our number nine finishing team. I mean, it certainly wasn't the sort of season that you would have expected, but at four and ten. But I think that just goes to show how hard it is in this league. You put all of your energy into this thing, you come in with a good team, and it just kind of kicks your ass sometimes. Definitely. So let's let's dial this thing way back for a for a quick second here, because as long as we got you, I want to talk a little bit about 2019 because I feel like it's something that even though we talk about it quite a bit or did talk about it quite a bit on the podcast, I don't know if people really truly grasp that you followed up your championship season by finishing as the number two scoring team in web. I mean, you were seven and seven and missed the playoffs, which is why people forget about it. But I mean, you came out of 2019 with one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that had a lot to do with my my offseason or my championship the year prior. Like um, realizing, like historically, my teams. I think I have like the record for losses of the original <laughs> owners. But uh, after like having that like just magical season, like like 
it sounds silly to say, but I realized winning's like pretty fucking fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we like sold out again last year. Like we were pressing hard and um, it was a little too late, but towards the end of the season, it was great to see that team humming. Yeah. I mean, you, you closed the season, I think hotter than any other team. You were scoring more than any other team down the stretch and you were just one game short. So Going into 2020 off of that type of a year where, you know, it's disappointing, but you see a lot of success out of your team. Where was your head at? Were you expecting to be a playoff team this year or how were you going into 2020? Yeah, I definitely was expecting to be like right there with everybody again, the way I like saw my team shaping up. Um, Had some like all my team is like decently young. Uh, throughout the years and yeah we were ready to to run it back so you started out you're thinking you're going to run it back you want another shot at it but way early in the off season in april even before the nfl draft you traded one of the faces of your team a player that you had drafted some had said at that time that you had reached for him and uh, obviously that was not true because he became one of the premier assets in dynasty and Chris Godwin. And you dealt him away in a shocking move where you landed Allen Robinson in the sixth overall pick. What was the mindset on that trade and how hard was it to let Godwin go? Oh, that was a really tough one. Um, my mindset was the news that if I remember in the timeline correctly, was the news of Tom Brady head into Tampa Bay and not really knowing what that offense is going to look like. Um, also like getting a guy like Allen Robinson, who like was probably like more so in the prime of his career and was just like guaranteed to be like the guy in that offense, no matter what. Um, and also just falling in love with the running backs in the draft class, um, looking that far ahead. And um, yeah, we could talk more about how that draft went, but yeah, like just needed to get one, like a piece of one of those guys. And the way I was like, like counting it out, it was seeming likely. That that was probably the most shocked I think I've been at a web trade probably in the last like two or three years. And it wasn't like a huge deal, but it was just like Chris Godwin. That was Josh's like baby. Uh-huh. He reached you... or he traded back and then reached for him arguably, but. I was critical at the time, but I'm going to admit that I undervalued Allen Robinson and then also picking up Swift. And now, yeah, like you said, going looking into this year with Swift and Acres is looking really nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hindsight, you can look at it now. And, I mean, Godwin did not have the same sort of year that he had in 2019. He dealt with some injuries. Robinson had another great season and you ended up flipping him for a couple of first round picks. So that works out. And then obviously we're going to dive into the 2020 draft here in a second with Swift. But um, yeah, I think that I definitely agree though, Frazier, that was like, if there was one player that I would have thought was untouchable that I would have never even asked about it, probably would have been Chris (laughs) Godwin. So that was uh, definitely a shocking move, but um. Let's let's go into the draft because obviously that sixth overall pick was a huge reason 
why you were able to give up Chris Godwin. Uh, was DeAndre Swift the guy for you there all along, or did you not expect him to fall down that far? Um, I just wanted one of, like one of those top whatever many guys there were like just loved them all mm-hmm. um and up to the draft like you could have asked me like the day before the draft and i still like wouldn't have known like who was like who is the guy i was gonna take like uh in that spot so uh yeah not really him in mind but man was i excited to see him like fall to me there Oof. What about the, I don't remember the complete timeline of the Sutton trade, or that was Josh, right? Sutton for yep, 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 nine. For nine. That for nine. yep. That's what I thought. Was that on the clock that night? That was. Um, a funny story with that. Um, we had like the whole shenanigans with like, Tim's going to screw over Dave in the draft. I think it was like a week or two prior. I'm like, Dave, Tim's like gonna take judy like i don't know like i hate to break it to you but like it's gonna happen (laughs) um instead of like trading up to get judy why not just take sutton and i can get like that second running back that i want so badly and then come like that was like essentially agreed upon until draft night and i got there and dave's like deals off like i'm not doing it (laughs) oh my god so (laughs) so i was like fine i'll keep sutton like no big deal but then uh, the draft goes on. I take Swift, and then I think two or three more picks go by, and Acres is still on the board. And I'm like, you know, Sutton was out the door anyway. Like, why not just like go and make this trade that I was gonna make anyway, and go get one, get my guy. And um, it was just, and like that trade too. I feel like it just fit perfectly with like our two teams. Like, Collins got a stud wide receiver who's young that'll like be a building block for him and i can like round out my running back stable that's looking real nice for 2021 yeah that was a wild turn of events with the godwin and that trade happening within a couple months you go from godwin and sutton looking like a formidable wide receiver core to all of a sudden possibly the best running back core in the league going into next year so Yeah. yeah Yeah, that, hey, that is that is a great like epitome of behind the curtain. That's what I wanted here. Because <laughs> yeah. these are An the stories story. that we don't get to have, <laughs> where it's like you know you're talking to Dave, and then you're the, you know the the Sutton trade starts to make more sense when you start to unpack the thought process on draft night because. I mean, that was a trade that I feel like you did get some criticism for from a few people. They thought maybe Sutton had a little bit more value. Sitting here right now, you know, after a season of seeing Acres, how do you feel about that trade? Would you change anything? Would you try to get more? Or are you happy with that? Uh, I'm happy for it. Um, Swift, our Acres is if i remember correctly he's the number five player on my board and i don't know if like if you came to me with sutton today like i would make that and Mm -hmm. trade for acres straight up i don't know if i'd make that trade honestly yeah yeah i don't think i would um so the dave deal was sutton for four right correct okay yep that's crazy i didn't the Sutton thing came out of nowhere to me and apparently it was brewing for weeks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
That's great. That's I love that. Um, so we were. This is another thing I was wondering about because we were doing the mock drafts and there was the whole smokescreen season and we're trying to figure out everybody's targets. And you were the spot at six where I feel like a lot of people were, you know, we had the first five down and then it was like, what is Josh going to do here? We had people mocking, you know, Rager, Acres, Swift, all sorts of names there. What did the board look like for you in that spot? What what were some of the names that you were looking to pick from there? It was literally all the running backs I was looking at. Um, the top five or so running backs, like just um, kind of counting on Frazier taking CD and um, whether like Judy went before me or not. Um, I was counting on at least acres falling to me there. So it was running back pretty much the whole way that you were the whole way definitely nice it's looking like a good decision with the way these guys looked this year too yeah definitely yeah and especially with the way that the the running back core is shaping up we're gonna obviously hit saquon here in a little bit but um i want to talk about one other pick that you made um a 41st overall selection in Antoine Winfield Jr., a player that just kind of exploded right out of the gate. He was a playmaker in college. There was a lot of potential there, and you ended up landing him kind of later on in the draft. Uh, first of all, was he a target of yours specifically, or did you kind of just draft him for value and then kind of going off of that? Was that something that you were looking to kind of rebuild a defense that, you know, you had kind of built an identity as a team over? It was this like strong sense of defense. Was he a guy that you were looking to add into that sort of culture? Um, it was, I love picking those like not as highly touted defensive players in those fourth rounds. Like that just, I feel like there's always like, a handful of guys each year from those spots that just outperform uh, greatly. But uh, um, honestly, it really boiled down to him being Antoine Winfield's son, the old former Vikings cornerback. Yeah. <laughs> like that really just um, getting a chance to have him on my roster was like a big part of my reasoning for taking nice. him there. Nice. Nice. Trying really hard not to talk about Jeremy Chin right now. Oh, God. Get <laughs> out of here. It's, it's Josh's episode. It's Josh's episode. If I You'll have your moment. <laughs> so kind of going with that then, like we're gonna we're gonna talk about Saquon here in a second. And obviously part of the Saquon deal was Darius Leonard. And Darius had been obviously the face of your franchise. Uh, you have the jersey, the championship, a lot to do because of his efforts. So you've built up a reputation in Webb as sort of this defensive powerhouse in you know guys like Darius Leonard and other superstars that you've had. And then you kind of tore the defense down a little bit. You got some value out of those spots and then obviously kind of cemented that with the Saquon trade. Is defense something that you do look to put a lot of emphasis into, or did it just kind of happen that way that you ended up with this star-studded unit? Um, it really, 
Um, it started from looking at defense uh, the year prior, um, just kind of, kind of thinking that like we could like string together a defense here in the free agency. And these guys are just like, like extra valued picks basically that I can like throw in trades and get like a little like sweeteners into trades and stuff like that. And I made an emphasis to like improve the offense this off season. And uh, admittedly probably went too far, especially with not like we knew the defensive boosts boosts were like coming could have probably had more foresight and like held a couple a couple of those guys there because that's definitely going to be a issue for next year. Um, as someone who picked Darius Leonard out of the out of the free agency pool before any of us even knew knew who he was, um, obviously you've been taking a look at this defensive free agents a little bit harder than the rest of us um, for quite some time. Does it feel like it's starting to swing back around? Like it's like a Darius Leonard type. If he was coming out this year, do you think he gets picked? Or do you think you can still kind of keep mining those defensive gems uh, uh, out of those undrafted ranks? It's hard to say. Um, every year, like I'm sure you guys see it too. Like Webb gets sharper and sharper. It seems like we all like know what to look for, know what trends to like keep an eye out for. So it was definitely like, especially this past season, it was definitely hard, like harder to string that defense together. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. Is is just like you know we're eight years deep, but that doesn't mean that we're all not still learning. You know, like we all uh-huh. are having to constantly adjust and you know react to what's in front of us. And I think Darius Leonard alone was enough of a reason for every person in the league to stop and say, what am <laughs> yeah. I doing here? Like I yeah, gotta, <laughs> I gotta pay more attention to this. And we, I mean, we saw linebackers getting drafted like crazy, uh, last year, uh, even guys that were, you know, third, fourth round NFL picks. So, I mean, Dar- we, t- we talk about Darius Leonard a lot on the podcast and how he like completely <laughs> changed the face of web, but I don't think that is at all overstating things. I think that no. was a true monumental shift. It might right, not be definitely. talked about enough. Yeah, right. We should talk about it every episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, now that he's on Dan's team, it's not as fun anymore. Yeah, it's not, it's not as fun, oh, but yeah. Like... <laughs> well, say, so, hey, speaking but... of that. So, yeah, you traded Darius Leonard, and I think uh, you probably traded him for one of the only players in the league that you would have considered making a deal that involved him for, which was Saquon Barkley. It was sort of a perfect storm of circumstances where, you know, he tears the ACL, Dan's trying to win. You deal Miles Sanders, who's another first-round running back of yours that you picked. What was the what was the feeling of landing Saquon after all these years of you know the the whole trading out of his pick and now you finally land him here? What was that like for you? Uh, it was really bittersweet having to part with uh, part with Leonard there, um, but uh, man, just super excited for just to see what he does next year. Um, and yeah, like you said, it really was like just like. Barkley like dangled in front of my face that was enough to be like oh, I just I, <laughs> I'd kick myself for passing up that opportunity when he's like a top five running back again next year 
Yeah, and that was kind of shocking at the time, too, because you got out to that 0-3 start. I think that's about when that trade happened, maybe 0-2, 0-3. You're coming off the hot finish to last year, and I think it was people kind of thought Barkley would be moved, but I think we kind of thought maybe it'd be like a Tim-type team, but then all of a sudden Josh comes comes in and kind of kicks in the towel pretty early in 2020 to capitalize on that value. And I think that's a that was a pretty big deal. I think you're going to start to see that in Webmore. People make, being more decisive on whether they're going to try to contend or, or not. And I think that's part of the reason we've had these earlier earlier and earlier big trades each year. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we we did talk about that at the time we kind of like Mm -hmm. celebrated the fact that, you know, you, like you just said, you have these expectations for 2020. You're coming off of a great season, you know, two years removed from a belt and you just had the, you know, the decisiveness to say it's not my year and I'm going to improve my team. What was the thought process like exactly at that time in terms of kind of having to accept defeat a little bit? Was that, you know, part of the equation there or were you still kind of hoping to just, you know, move pieces around and still kind of figure things out a little bit? It it really was kicking in the, or throwing in the towel at that point. Um, we looked at like the top teams of web and their hot starts, um, Day was three and zero in the pack five, and looking at that, and like I'm gonna have to make up a ton of ground, and it's frustrating too because I was kind of anticipating the slow start with the positions that uh, Swift and Acres were in, like knowing that it was probably gonna take a while in those offense for them to get the roles that um, that they're gonna end up eventually getting, but uh, which is like why we went out and got Leonard, and we're just kind of riding DJ just to like prepare the beginning or pretend that or prepare that end of the season surge like um and it just you get that assisted tackle um not recorded loss and you start three and oh and, <laughs> oh god uh, and it, morale was low and then like th- these trades just fall in your lap and you're like okay i guess we're we're just gonna roll with this <laughs> <laughs> That just—I'm gonna go a little off topic here, quick. But that just reminded me of that that day that that trade happened, and how many other huge trades that happened that exact day. That was the Kareem Hunt trade, and then the DJ Moore Joe Mixon trade, and then also the Keenan Allen Mike Evans trade, and a Cooper Cup Devo Samuel trade, all in one that September was day. The trade deadline, and it was in like week four. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> So another reason why your team kind of disappointed this season was the regression of arguably your best offensive player, uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, this was a a player that had been, you know, up in the, for web MVP last in 2019. And he was the web factor absolutely took the reins of that title but then you know obviously this season was not what we all expected from Lamar so um 
Where where are you at with Lamar right now? Are you still confident that he can be the MVP or even just a above average guy for you? Or has this quarterback shift kind of made you start thinking about other options? Um, I'm feeling still really good with Lamar. Um, I think we really saw like Lamar at his floor. Like even though he'll throw for like 150 yards, like he's got such a like big rushing floor that like you're really like a disappointing week for him is like 19 points, which, which sucks, but any quarterback could score 19 points in any given week, but it could just be so much worse with another quarterback. I feel without that rushing floor. Definitely. Yeah. And I think as he, as he gets older, I think he's going to gradually add in, um, that passing upside too as he gets more more experience and reps and maybe get some better weapons suited for him so i think as he shifts away from the running hopefully he adds it in that area yeah man if he could just get a weapon too that's really (laughs) (laughs) gonna be a big thing for him yeah, I saw someone compare the situation to like he needs his stefan diggs and i was like wow yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a, a guy that he can just absolutely turn to at any like Hollywood Brown is is fine and Mark Andrews has been really good for him, but to have that guy that you can just throw it his way and just kind of know that it's going to be okay is right would definitely be helpful. Mm-hmm. So the people want to know because. Well, I just was mentioning that your team's identity was kind of centered around defense. You made a shift away from that a little bit, and this year, even more so than ever, was the hot topic of the Reens Rebel Alliance tight end roulette. And the 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 ways that you were able to find guys that were just scoring touchdowns every single time you plugged them in. I mean, you're here... The people want to know, man, what are the secrets? What are the tricks of the trade with the tight end streaming? I wish I had like some like magic formula that I was using or something like that. Like, honestly, it's like so like luck is definitely like over half of what is happening there. I I was picturing (laughs) Josh sitting with one of his spreadsheets. He types in the the numbers for the week and it's just a beep beep boop and it right. plugs out a name he's like yep yep going with them. It's like but no there's a few <laughs> there's a few <laughs> things i look at like um the like over under points for the team each week um uh and then looking at like from those like top games like looking at like their tight ends and who they're matching up against and it's really like a eyeballing it but it really based like is based off of that like over under team points that are given out each week huh. oh interesting so is this is this something that's been going su- successfully enough that you don't ever picture yourself investing high premium whether traded or draft pick into the tight end position or is it something you're still exploring um i'm definitely like God, it'd be nice to like just have a guy to put in there each week, and he'll just give you a consistent production. And not many. You don't have to deal. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you don't have to deal with like the zeros that come on those bad weeks. But um, 
I think Frazier said on a podcast in the middle of the season, kind of alluded to it. If you don't have Kelsey or Kittle, like those top guys, like you just don't have a tight end. So I'm comfortable just like forgetting about that position until like there's a opportunity to get like that next up and coming guy or something like that. But for now, it's just kind of <laughs> whatever. Maybe Kyle, whatever like a sweepstakes is like already a, heating up. Maybe <laughs> like a trade up from 12 to 6 type of opportunity. <laughs> oh, are we <laughs> even sure he's going to be there at 6 anymore, though? I don't it's know. You might have to trade weird. it too. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to get weird with Pitts. I heard uh, this is completely unrelated, but we're going to probably talk about the draft next. Um, I heard somewhere that Trevor Lawrence is expected to be the first overall pick in non-Superflex Dynasty Leagues. Like, he's supposed to have ADP of one, even in a non-Superflex League. And I was like, what? Wait, he's supposed to? They're saying it is fact? Yeah, like, the expectation is that Trevor Lawrence will have Dynasty ADP one, even in a one-quarterback league. That seems like, like I, I, I saw that I like I don't remember. It was one of the dynasty guys on Twitter, but that's besides the point. We'll save that discussion for, for draft <laughs> season, I guess. But, you know what? If in our scoring situation, if someone wanted to play it really safe, like they were just petrified of any other position, I could maybe see it, but it definitely shouldn't be consensus. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. hey, if a team like if a team like Calvin is uh, like looking to get his quarterback, like sure, I could see that in his particular situation. Yeah, I mean, I definitely expect him to go in the you know top eight picks. I think probably eight. I don't know who has eight, but I feel like someone's going to be trying to trade up if he's available towards the end of the first round. But uh, speaking of the end of the first round. That is where you find yourself this year, because despite being four and ten and being our fourth guest here on the countdown to number one, you do not have your pick, but you were able to salvage a 2021 pick in the Allen Robinson trade, which was my pick, which, I mean, you're very accustomed to having my pick. I've kind of funneled it to you throughout (laughs) the years, but um, indirectly acquired my pick this time around. Last pick of the first round. Have you had a chance to dive into any guys yet, or have you started to develop a big board around that pick yet? Um, I've definitely done some, but uh, really just falling in love with guys and like coming up with these like like fantasies of them falling to me somehow. But <laughs> um, God, that sounds like my life. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like uh. Always sunny, Charlie, with uh, where he's got the strings all over the board. Pepe oh, Sylvia <laughs> like yeah. situation. Like, if this happens, then maybe he'll fall to me. But uh, it's like I, but I need like someone just like around me. Ball. I need someone under, <laughs> someone around me to remind me that the NFL hasn't even drafted yet, and you should just stop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big part of it too. Like. You'll want to like get excited about these guys, but you have no idea what their situation is going to be like. And I don't know. To me, like this draft class is kind of, kind of meh. Really, that might be a take, but I'm not, not really like, like it's super top heavy. 
in my opinion, like the top eight-ish guys. And then after that, it's it's really just a, a cluster for me. Okay. Well, in that case, have you uh, started to float number 12 out there at all? Or are you, you know, are you locked into making that pick? Or are you maybe going to try to add to your budding roster? We got to see how the draft goes. Because I, okay. like... I'm still holding out hope that something weird happens in the draft and maybe one of my guys is sitting there. Definitely possible. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're kind of jumping the gun here. It's only February and we're trying to like get people's like what is your what are your plans for the draft in five and a half months when the teams <laughs> are when the players finally have NFL teams, but well uh mock two point drafted. I don't know if you guys had a or dropped slightly before this podcast started. (laughs) I don't know if I want to spoil Josh's picks on the pod, but maybe let him read for himself. But had him double dipping on the defensive side of the ball with his first two picks. Wow. Honestly, that's kind of... If it... If my guys are... Offensive guys are gone like that, that's almost going to be default. Like, where I go. Mm. Might be right on. I like that a lot. I'm going to check out the smock as soon as we're done. I just saw some names on there and I got a little titillated, but <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, you're, you're going into this 2021 season. It's an unprecedented situation. We're expecting to have a fifth playoff team for the first time ever. The pack five is a little bit interesting. I mean, we don't really know where Frazier's team is at. We don't really know what Riley's team is going to do. Can Dave repeat his performance? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts there and you're coming into things here with Saquon acres and Swift leading the charge. Plus obviously Lamar Jackson and some of the other nice pieces that you have. Where is your mindset at right now in February of, uh, you know, the off season here as we're moving towards 2021. Um, we're ready to compete. Um, those running backs are going to, uh, hide some of the defensive issues I'm hoping. But, uh, other than that, I feel like we really got like that base. Um, Lamar is going to be a stud again. And yeah, I think, um, we're going to be making a push again this year and seeing what happens. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) You got any like plans that you want to take care of specifically as far as addressing team needs before the season starts? Or is it going to be kind of a play it, play it by how the season starts? Kind of play it by ear thing. Yeah, we're going to play it by ear. We're going to see how, see how the draft goes, see how like draft night goes. Um, I could definitely see it being similar to my, whatever draft where I got was that the Godwin where I got Galladay and stuff like that where maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just Mm -hmm. looking for more proven guys instead of my draft picks I don't know but yeah we're gonna see how it goes I think that draft led to a title in the near future so look out for (laughs) Josh (laughs) (laughs) well uh, you heard it here first. Watch out for the Rebel Alliance in 2021. Josh, I'm going to turn it over to you. 
you have the global platform and the megaphone that is the web podcast. So is there anything that you would like to say to us, the league or the world? I really just want to say how much I, I love web. Um, I've been sitting on this take for a while now and I feel like all the web owners are like looking at like some of the draft analysis, like especially this year too, like all of the draft are web owners could beat 90% of the fantasy leagues out there. Like everybody's like so dedicated and so like improving year to year. Like it's just such a fun, fun league to be a part of, let alone just getting to be connected to you guys in that way every year. Like it's just like so grateful for and uh, appreciate all the guy- work you guys do as commissions and, um, your podcasts are incredible and <laughs> oh jeez oh man but, and insane and all that too um the rebels are coming so look out 2021 well hey man as much as you appreciate the league we appreciate you and we appreciate <laughs> everybody else that gives it their entire energy to make it what it is and i agree i feel like i see web owners trashing draft people and traff trashing dynasty people all day long on the timeline and guys that you know were never even really all that involved in it are all of a sudden all aboard and just dropping dunks on people on twitter all day and i'm like the yeah we we got it down here we got the we got the secret sauce here in web but um hey Thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I think you're one of the more tenured guests here on the podcast, and it's yeah. always you do such a great job every time, and we love having you. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> he does his his speech. I was probably about two or three beers away from having that make me cry. So. Oh yeah, I had to <laughs> I had to snip that off real quick, or we were gonna have some tears on the podcast. So <laughs> we're not there yet. I'm not ready for that yet. But uh, but I just miss you guys. I know. We'll yeah. see you soon. Thanks for coming on. Really enjoyed it, and we will be back next week with our number eight team. And once again, I have no idea who it is, so I'm not even gonna pretend. It might be Calvin. It might be I, Carter. I don't know anymore. So we'll be back. Quick. It's it's Calvin. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll be back next week with Calvin. And until then, let's make it a great week. <laughs>